This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be used for personal medical advice. It's a common source of discomfort for many, so we're discussing back pain and how it's treated. Our guest, Dr. Dylan Morris, spine surgeon at Skagit Regional Health. This is Be Well with Skagit Regional Health. Thanks for listening. I'm Joey Waller. Dr. Morris, hi there. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to have you with us. So first, just how common is back pain and who does it usually affect most? Back pain is fairly common. The people that it usually affects most are anywhere from adolescents, early to mid-teens, up to the octogenarians. And what are the typical causes of it? Yeah, so there's various causes of back pain. Most common would be a muscle strain, which occurs after heavy lifting or heavy workout. You can also have some inflammation or arthritic type pain that affects the little joints in your back called your facet joints. And then also you can have stenotic type back pain from all of the nerves being compressed in your back. That's called neurogenic claudication. Most of those people have pain in their back and their butt. It's worse when they walk and stand and gets better when they sit down. Those are the most three main causes of back pain. How about upper back pain versus lower back pain? Which is more common and which is harder to get rid of? Lower back pain is more common just because there's more flexibility and movement within your lumbar spine compared to your thoracic spine. Low back pain in the lumbar spine tends to be a little bit more easy to treat than pain in your mid-back. Pain in your neck, cervical type pain is more common than your thoracic pain. It's more on the scale of or frequency of your low back pain. A while back, I had some lower back pain for a while. It lasted for a while. Fortunately, it's since gone away, I think on its own. But I was told at the time by a physical therapist that it came from having tight hamstrings. And it taught me a lesson, which is that some of that stuff in our body that we might not realize is all connected, right? Yep, it's definitely all connected. When you have tight hamstrings, tight hip flexors, it kind of pulls the pelvis into flexion which can alter the mechanics in the low back, which can be a source of pain. So as much as most of us hate to stretch at the gym or otherwise, that's one way of keeping that under control and warding that off, right? Yep. Having an increasing flexibility and having a strong core and back definitely helps prevent back pain. So simply put, what are a couple of the most common specific back issues that you see? Definitely see muscle strains after a car wreck is a common one. We also see facet-mediated back pain, and then we also see back and leg pain caused from a disc herniation. I think the misnomer is that people say, well, can't you just take my disc out and it'll help with my back pain? Tend to not be the case. We usually take a disc out to help with pain that goes down the leg. Especially those of us that follow sports, we've heard of athletes that suffer from a herniated disc. How does a disc become herniated and just how sensitive are they to that? So discs become a little bit more sensitive to bulging and herniation a little bit as we age. What happens in the mainstay with a bulging disc is you have some thinning or some weakening of the annulus and then the disc can actually herniate out or push out into the, to the spinal canal and push on a nerve. Most disc herniations heal on their own in about six to 12 weeks. Very few of the disc herniations that happen become symptomatic and even less so do we have to operate on. Usually if we have to operate on a disc and remove the disc, it's to help with pain that goes from the back down the leg, helping localize back pain. 
Just to backtrack for a moment, when should someone usually see a doctor for back pain? What's sort of the line that you cross where you know it's time? Yeah, so the red flags that you would worry about with seeing a a doctor or a surgeon is severe back pain, but if you have fevers and chills that could be associated with an infection, or if you're having weakness in your legs or loss of bowel and bladder function, those would need to see a doctor or a surgeon earlier on because there could be sequela or something more serious causing it than a muscle strain. Most of the time, people try to do about six weeks of conservative treatment with regards to physical therapy, trying some anti-inflammatories, sometimes a muscle relaxer before they end up in the surgeon's office. Yes, I was going to ask you about non-surgical options So if you're talking about with just regards to low back pain, the majority of that is treated non-surgical with anti-inflammatories, physical therapy, core strengthening, functional yoga tends to help, as well as chiropractic or massage therapy. Really, if you're operating on low back pain that's not from all the nerves being compressed in the back. Most of the time when we're offering surgery to people, it's more for pain that goes down the leg than actually within the low back itself. So I'm going to ask you a little bit about surgery in a moment, but first, what tips do you have for us to keep our backs healthy on our own if possible and avoid the need for spine care? Yeah, I think the things that you can do on your own is you can follow a home exercise stretching program or home exercise strengthening program. YouTube has some really good functional yoga videos that you can follow along that help with core strengthening and low back strengthening. Those have been found to be successful with treating low back pain. So I think the mainstays are core strengthening, stretching, keeping and maintaining flexibility, as well as over-the-counter anti-inflammatories. How about how often do people throw their back out, so to speak, by, let's say, shoveling without bending properly when there's snow to be cleaned or picking something up, I guess, similarly by putting too much strain on your back? I guess one thing you try to keep in mind in those situations is to bend and not overdo it, and try to focus, if you can, on lifting with your legs as much as possible. Again, a sports analogy, kind of like a pitcher pushing off, trying to use that leg strength to take a lot of the emphasis or pressure off other parts of the body, right? Yeah, definitely. I think following good lifting protocols with keeping a straight back, bending and lifting mostly with your legs is the best thing to do with regards to keeping yourself healthy and not injuring it in the workplace. Percentage-wise, I think the good majority of people that come in to mind with back pain complain, you know, I was doing something, I turned wrong, and then I had this kind of stabbing, cramping pain in the back, which is usually a muscle strain causing a muscle spasm, which causes that catching, grabbing sensation or that sharp pain that kind of takes your breath away if you turn wrong or bend wrong. Mm -hmm. So when is a patient usually a candidate for spine surgery? Yeah, so the two things that we do in spine surgery is we decompress, which is to take pressure off the nerves, and then we do a fusion if there's any instability. The mainstay of people that have the highest success rate is more if they're complaining of leg pain, like a stabbing, burning pain that goes into their butt cheek and down their leg. Those people are the people that we like to see in our office 
because you can do a small little outpatient surgery, takes about an hour to an hour and a half. Those people go home that same day, and by taking the pressure off the nerve, it can help relieve their pain in their butt cheek and down their leg. The harder thing to treat is chronic back pain that's been there for years and years and years. Nothing has really helped. There's procedures that are up and coming with regards to spinal cord stimulators and some other things that pain management can help with outside of having a back surgery or back fusion for back pain. The success is not overly successful with regards to a fusion for back pain. When people talk to you or you talk to them about spine surgery, does the word spine and the possibility of it being operated tend to worry people? And what do you say to kind of quell those concerns? I tell anybody that's going into surgery, it's not something that we take lightly. You know, it's the patient actually trusting their life in your hands. I think the things that you can do to mitigate the risk or the worry of, well, I'm having spine surgery is if you're in the lumbar spine, you tell people, well, yes, if something bad does happen, the chances of you being paralyzed are very low because we're not at the spinal cord level. If a nerve were to be injured, it would cause some weakness in one of the muscle groups, but most people can still function with a normal life when they're not paralyzed and things like that. I think there's ways to discuss both the risk and benefits of surgery and the expectations of surgery. And then when people come to a shared decision-making, those people tend to do well because they feel like they were involved in the decision-making process. Good to know. And then finally, in summary here, what's your overall message to those listening if they're suffering from back pain about how much help there is for them and what the chances are generally speaking, that they can have something done to improve things, if not rid them of this pain? Yeah, so the number one take-home is that I would tell people and that I tell my patients is that the good majority of back pain is self-limiting and that it tends to get better on its own in roughly six to 12 weeks, which does sound like a long time, but that can be sped up with physical therapy, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, But the take-home I tell most people is that it's a self-limiting disease. It tends to get better on its own without any form of surgery. I do tell people now that we are having some kind of breakthroughs in the interventional pain management realm with regards to treatment of chronic low back pain outside of having your spine operated on. There's spinal cord stimulators. There's different various injections with pain management that tend to show good relief or equivalent relief of having a back fusion for back pain. But the take-home, I would say, is that it's a fairly common injury. A good majority of the time, it gets better on its own, and most people tend to not need surgery for chronic low back pain. I would imagine those words alone are making a lot of people feel better. Folks, we trust you're now more familiar with how back pain is treated. Dr. Dylan Morris, thanks so much again. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for more information, please visit SkagitRegionalHealth.org. Again, that's Skagit Regional. Now, if you found this podcast helpful, please do share it on your social media. And thanks again for listening to Be Well with Skagit Regional Health. Hoping your health is good health. I'm Joey Waller.